In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. What troubles your heart today? For me, the list is long, and it's not pretty. I think about all the litanies and prayers we had offered in the last couple years for the violence and suffering in the world, too many places to mention. I think about gun violence and racism, poverty. I think about Iran, Russia, North Korea, increasing tensions around the globe. I think about those grieving and mourning the death of a loved one. I think about families that are struggling, spouses that are divorcing, children that are hungry, and people that are hanging on by a thread. I think about my own sorrows, losses, and disappointments. I think about the way that today's gospel has been interpreted and has been used over the years to exclude, condemn, and alienate others. So despite what Jesus says about not letting our hearts be troubled, my heart is troubled. I suspect yours might be too. What might you add to that list? What is troubling your heart today? None of us get through life without a troubled heart at some point. I don't think we can look at the pain of the world today, the suffering of a loved one, or our own wounds and hurts and not have a troubled heart. At least I hope we can't. And that's the context in which I hear Jesus say this morning, do not let your hearts be troubled. It's not really that different from the context in which Jesus first said these words that night of the Last Supper. Jesus had just announced his departure from this world, his death. Feet have been washed. Judas has left the table and stepped into the darkness of betrayal. Peter will break his silence with this threefold denial. Thomas is lost and asks, how can we know the way? Philip has lost his center and can't see what's right in front of him. Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied, he says. Do not let your hearts be troubled, Jesus says. Do not let your hearts be troubled? Are you kidding me? Is Jesus really serious about that? Does he know what's happening in our lives, in the world? How can Jesus say that with a straight face when he was troubled at seeing Mary and the Jews weeping at the death of his friend Lazarus, when he said that his own soul is troubled, when St. John tells us that Jesus was troubled in spirit? What is Jesus telling us? It's not like there's this on-off switch for our troubled hearts. So how do we begin to make sense of today's gospel in a world whose heart is constantly troubled. It's not hard to understand why this text is so often used in our burial liturgy. 
death troubles our hearts and we want to find some balance, some stability, some harmony. But this text, however, is more than about the afterlife. It has something to say about the right here and right now. It speaks to the very circumstances that trouble our hearts today. Just think about the times when your heart has been troubled. Maybe it is right now. What does that feel like? We all experience in our own ways, but see if this sounds familiar. Isolated, paralyzed, overwhelmed, powerless, out of control, afraid, grieving, angry. Do you recognize any of those? So in the midst of having a troubled heart, our unspoken question is this. Will the center hold or will everything collapse around us? Thomas and Philip are feeling the collapse. Much of the world is too today. Maybe you are too. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Jesus recognizes that our hearts are troubled and he's not warning us about a future condition. He knows that the troubling has already begun. He can see it in us because he's experienced it within himself. He knows that our lives are not defined or limited by the things that trouble us. What if not letting our hearts be troubled begins with looking into our hearts and seeing and naming what troubles us? That might mean facing ourselves, our lives, our world. That may be the first and most difficult thing that Jesus asks of us in today's gospel. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't want to see. I don't want to name. It's too difficult. It can be too painful. Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? Thomas speaks for us all. We've lost our center. So how then? How do we recenter? Where do we go when it seems like everything is collapsing around us? Here's the paradox. Sometimes we have to lose our center in order to find it. But I want to be clear about this. I'm not suggesting that God purposely decenters us. Decentering happens. It's a part of life. It's part of the human condition. Sometimes it comes out of circumstances we didn't create or choose. Other times, it is a consequence of our own choices and our actions. But regardless, Jesus says that that is not a place to stay or a way to live. It's not the life he lives or the life he offers us. So if your heart is troubled, then it is time to re-center. Recentering does not mean that our hearts won't be troubled doesn't necessarily fix the problem, whatever that might be. 
It does, however, mean that our lives are tethered to something greater than ourselves. It means that our hearts are held secure by the divine life and we are not left to free fall into the abyss. Jesus is reminding us that there is a center and it's not us. It's not America and her laws and constitution. It's not the church and her creeds and doctrines. It's certainly not our successes, accomplishments, position, or power. We do not have to be the center, and we don't even need to make one. In fact, we can't. Instead, we awaken to it. As Jesus himself said, we already know the way to and the place of this center. Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied, Philip says to Jesus. But you see, Philip has bought into this lie that the Father is somehow apart from or outside of or distant from himself. But the center, God, is with him is with us. The Father's house is here. The kingdom is here. Wherever you go, there is God. Whatever you face, there's the center. Regardless of what troubles, God is there. Not because you are the center, but because God is with you. In the language of today's gospel, the center is the Father's house. And there are many dwelling places in this house. In the Father's house, there's a dwelling place for every troubled heart. But remember, I'm not talking about the afterlife. I'm not thinking about some sort of celestial dormitory for those who have enough right belief and right behavior. I'm talking about the dwelling places as the ways God's life intersects our own. Mercy, forgiveness, justice, compassion, healing, love, beauty, hope, intimacy. These are the dwelling places for troubled hearts, places we find recentering in God. Every time we live into and express these divine attributes in our way of being with our words or by our actions, we regain our center. We restore balance. We take up residence in the Father's house. So what in you today needs recentering? In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. How might centeredness, balance, and harmony within yourself help you see and respond to your troubles or the troubles of the world differently? In my father's house, there are many dwelling places. What if in the midst of troubles, your heart could maintain a normal rhythm and beat with God's life? In my father's house, there are many dwelling places.
How comforting to know that there is always a place prepared for us by the one who loves us most. And that we are always, always welcome home. <laughs>